Hello, New Philly. Good afternoon. My name is Byung-ho Choi. I'm one of the uh, preaching pastors at New Philly. It's really good to see you guys. Yeah, it's such a beautiful day. Amen? Um, for those who don't know me well, uh, today I'm speaking at Hillside Campus, but it's a kind of rare opportunity for me to be speaking on Sundays because Pastor Christian would like to release the word, and that's our main inheritance. So it's kind of rare, but just to warn you, some of you, the newcomers, new members, uh, people describe me as gangster sometimes, and very real, beyond your imagination. So I may say something that could shock you, Hold it in, or you could laugh about it later, but it's all gonna be okay, right? <laughs> it's all gonna be okay, so I just wanna prevent some, like, people shocked out of their minds and, you know, by how unusual I am, right? So I just wanted to release the warning before, but you will be blessed. You'll be blessed. God has a mighty word today. Uh, I've been uh, preaching a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. Uh, I'm on chapter 3. Pastor Erin's been doing her series on Deuteronomy, and she's still on chapter 1, right? <laughs> but, I mean, all good, because the, mostly Ephesians has a long sentences. Uh, it's written in Greek, and then the portions that I had to choose from were mainly one sentence, but it's like 12 verses as a chunk. So I had to, I've been kind of preaching, trying to dissect the word and preach from those long passages. The sermons that I preached so far, they're all on the podcast. So if you are curious, if you would like to study the Bible more, go look it up and listen to them. They're all amazing. All right. So they're going to bring revelations. They're going to awaken you. So go look them up and then receive your inheritance. Not only come from the uh, PE and PC, but some of it flows through the daughter of the house. Come on. I'm the, I'm the princess of the house, right? <laughs> so you better receive some of that. If you want that, go look it up and be blessed by those sermons. And today, I'm going to be speaking from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. Verses 7 to 13. Ephesians is a book that Apostle Paul wrote in the year 62, AD 62, and then it's known that he wrote this book in a prison. So he wrote under the captivity of Roman Empire, and then this is the written letters for the, uh, for the church of Ephesus, right? That's a brief background. Let's read from verses 7. I'm going to start. We're going to take each verse and end it all together. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Together, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Amen. Today I'm going to be talking about destiny a little bit. Some people think that destiny is some kind of just word that people throw here and there. But I'm talking about the destiny of God that he has over each and every one of your life. Destiny 
It means a lot to me, and I'm going to start to unfold and share my story on my journey of finding my destiny and working on it as well. But I believe that that's the word that God is highlighting. And today's sermon, I titled it as, What You Want to Know About Your Destiny. Sounds good, right? Verse 7, it says, Minister of this gospel, Paul wrote, I was made a minister. Everyone say minister. A Greek word for this is diakonos. I, I hope I said it right. Diakonos, it means servant, a deacon, or attendant. So Vine's expository dictionary of anti-words, it says, diakonos is generally speaking to be distinguished from doulos, which means a servant or a slave. Diakonos views a servant in a relationship to his work, not necessarily to his master. So it's talking about your job your work, and your vocation. And Apostle Paul made it clear here that of the gospel, I was made a minister. He didn't use apostle. He didn't use doulos necessarily. And here, he chose that word in relation to what? Your work and vocation. And you know, little kids, when they grow up, you know those English learning or Korean learning little charts that they put on the walls and, you know, A, B, C, D, Apple, B, and you know what I'm talking about? The, the language learning tools. One of the main ones, the most popular ones that sell well is your vocations. Firefighters, like a teacher, you know, and then there are people posing like this, like teachers always doing this, preachers always holding the Bible, you know, pastor, all these vocations and jobs are listed there. It's because even since you are young, it's something that's important. What you're going to do with your life, you, let's say you live about 80 years, some of you 90, some of you 100, maybe, I don't know, 120 yeah, if you want to, yeah, just pray for that. But, uh, you know, you have a long life, short but kind of long life here. And what you're going to do about your life is quite important. You guys agree? And here Apostle Paul is talking about what are you going to do with your life? Like destiny in terms of what am I called to do? What? So if you were to paraphrase this first and use it for your own diary, let's say, or your journal, what are you going to say? Of this gospel, I was made a teacher. I was made a dancer. I was made a producer. I was made a filmmaker according to the gift of God's grace and blah, blah, blah. What would you put as your vocation and word in the sentence? Have you guys ever thought about that? Of this gospel, I was made an actress. That sounds so cool to me. Man, I was made a supermodel according to his gospel. You know, it sounds really cool, right? Have you guys ever thought about your vocation? What is going to fit in there? What are you called to do, destined to do? Some of you might say, mommy, daddy, I want to raise like 12 children and then raise them into a really, like literally a mighty army of warriors and I don't know, basketball player. You might have different various jobs that you have in your mind. And moving on, it says this, according to the gift of God's grace. Everyone say grace. Grace Grace is a word that I believe a lot of us are numb to. And familiarity, it brings contempt to our heart to think grace, grace, grace. Bible always talks about grace. So we're kind of numb to how, 
how big and significant that word is. And when we read the Bible, especially book like Ephesians, we used to skip over those words, you know, according to grace, in grace, by grace. And you just skip, 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 skip. All right, grace. I know like 10 grace came, it's like five grace parks. You know, it kind of became like some Christian girl's name, but grace is a powerful word. And we cannot just skip over them like we can, like we just don't have allowance for that, right? So according to the gift of God's grace, charis, charis is charis, actually, charis. So it's, it's the same word for it is favor, free, unmerited gift from God. It's, grace is a powerful word. It's a word that empowers you. It's not for you to just somehow get through your life, but grace is an empowering power that you always have access to. So according to the gift of God's grace, Apostle Paul says, what are the gifts of God's grace that you received in your life? It has something to do with your vocation that we're talking about. The destiny, the work that's got to be done through your life. And he continues to say, by the working of his power. Power here, and actually the working, ESV translated it as a working here, but in other translations they use uh, efficiency, uh, by the efficiency of his power, a working of his power, this word is energia. Man, I forgot all my Greek. But energia, it's, it's, it looks similar to energy, actually. Energy, 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 or whatever. And in the New Testament, this word was only used to describe a supernatural power. A supernatural power, I said. Last Sunday, Pastor Dave Gibbons really talked about us walking into the supernatural power of Jesus Christ in our daily lives. You guys remember the moonwalking bear that none of us saw in the video? If you are curious about what I'm talking about, you gotta look up the sermon and also watch the video on the YouTube. But the moonwalking bear, man, you know, we, and we're missing that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, you know? And it, Apostle Paul says, by the working of the supernatural power, that's what makes us do what we do, you know? Supernatural power. It's part of your vocation and your work. What is your calling? What are you called to do? What am I graced to do? What is the signs of the supernatural power that you experienced in your life? What are you gifted to do? What are the signs that you see in your life that directs you to that job or the work, the destiny that God is putting on your life. I believe that, uh, where's my friend Ju? 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 Right there. She's my best friend. Uh, she's uh, Larry's wife. She's really cute. She's awesome. Uh, my friend Ju, just to briefly share her testimony of how supernaturally God has worked her. I mean, it has worked everything for her, for her vision for Education Mountain. She has a big heart to change and transform the Education Mountain of Korea. And then um, she applied for this job. She wanted to be, so she's starting as a teacher, and then later on she's going to be an awesome, the most famous educator in the history of Korea. That's what I believe, right? Fist pumping the husband, all right? So she's going to be the one. And then she applied for this school. It's Iwa Private uh, High School, but they didn't hire a full-time like a um, English lecturer teacher for the last 10 years. They didn't hire a single one. And then she applied. She has no teaching experience, reminds you, on her resume. Just graduated from the, the Ihua grad school, and she just got married. And then just to let you know, Korean companies don't like it when, like, a 
newlywed person comes into the company because they're going to get like maternity leave soon, you know, they're expecting her to get pregnant soon, you know, so they don't prefer that at all. It's such a disadvantage. And I just said that, that you're going to, oh, never mind. All right. She doesn't want that. <laughs> not now. All right. Later, but she will eventually. Anyway, she turned in her resume and nothing made sense. But then for some reason, they chose her. Out of hundreds of people, hundreds of applicants, they chose Chu Hyun Shin. No experience, nothing that outstands on her resume. But can I say that that was a supernatural favor of the Lord? And can I just say that God is marking her as a future powerful educator for this nation? You see that how gifting, the grace was given to her and the supernatural sign followed and God is just confirming her, you know, in that area. I want every single person in this room to have that kind of story. Like, oh, I just came to Korea and just got a job teaching English. It's okay. You know? I mean, that's, that's good too. If that's your story, don't feel sad about it. You are getting there. You're on your way to that destiny. Everyone's in the search for it. And I'm included in this as well. But I want to challenge every single person in this room. Don't make that be the story of your life. Please don't. That's so sad. And I want every single person to have the testimony marked with his grace and supernatural power. And you have something to tell people, tell the world about how Jesus got you to that place. This one verse, man, we probably read it like 20, 30 times. But how deep is this? Grace and power. Those two simple words. And I, like I said earlier, it's a journey. And I'm not expecting everyone in this room to leave this room so sure about their destiny and vocation. Okay, that is my goal, and that's my life, and I know it for sure. I'm not expecting that. That's not my agenda today at all. And I want to bless every single person that are on your journey to find that area, find that vocation, find that job. I bless you to go out and research and explore. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That's what you have to do. But I do want to really unpack this, this, these powerful verses and what Apostle Paul gives you as advices as you are on the journey. And I want to just encourage you guys by saying this. A lot of times when I start talking about destinies and callings, some people think to themselves, do I have one? Do I have one? You know, it's like the most common line that all the pastors pray, you have a mighty calling in the Lord. God has a special purpose in your life. You know, it sounds familiar to you. You know, everyone says that, but back up your mind, you're thinking, do I really have one? Powerful destiny? Does that apply to me? But can I tell you that like when you buy a car, you don't ask, does it come with an engine? Does it come with the brake? It's like a no-brainer sentence, right? It's kind of like that when God created you, he didn't create you without an engine. You know, when he made you, created you beautifully and fearfully, wonderfully, he gave you that destiny with it. And for you to doubt that, do I have one? It's like a doll. You came with an engine. Come on, don't worry about it. You have a mighty, powerful purpose in the kingdom. And let me just assure you, you do have one. The fact that you don't know it, 100% sure, does not mean that you do not, you do not have one. So I want to encourage every single person, you're going to believe, I have a mighty destiny in the Lord. I have a great calling in the Lord. God's going to do something crazy that you don't know about, my neighbor, right? So I want you guys to turn to your neighbor and tell them, I have a mighty calling and destiny. Amen. Amen. 
And then verse 8, we're moving on. Apostle Paul here, he's a, he's a grandpa. At this point, he's writing about Jesus, writing about all these letters. He's a grandpa sitting in a prison cell. And then he starts to tell you about himself. So it's like a, kind of like a fireplace, like sitting by, you know. So imagine him just telling you his life story and how it's been with him. You know, we all love Apostle Paul, right? So let's really hear his story. He, he says in verse 8, if you guys are there, to me, he says, to me, let me tell you my story. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the un- unsearchable riches of Christ. So he starts to talk about, hey, I'm the least of all saints, all believers. I'm the least of them. What do you think about that first? And how do you understand it? I'm not sure about you, but I take it as a, its face value. He's saying, I am the least of all saints, and it's the Bible. The Bible has no error, right? Though he wrote it to sound humble, whatever, maybe 50% is humility, but the other half, I just take it as it says. He was the least of all the saints. It's kind of like this. You know, in, in Numbers chapter 12, I believe, it says that Moses was the most humble man, and on the face of the earth, there, there was no one more humble than him. Something like that, right? And you, you guys know who wrote that? Moses wrote it, right? So do I take it as a face value? Was he really the humblest man? Or uh, is he actually not? I don't know. But I take it as it's just, as it says, he was the most humble man. Though it doesn't really sound like it because he wrote it, right? But I just take it as it is. You know, Bible says so, so let me just take it. And here, Apostle Paul, maybe he's trying to sound humble, but all, I mean, not humble. Yeah, humble, right? But I take it as, it says that he is the least of all saints. And that makes us greater than him. Some of you are offended, right? Silence. But let me talk about why it actually makes sense for us to be greater than him. And that's his desire for, her, for us to be greater than him. That's why he wrote this letter, by the way. For us to be all greater than him. Number one thing is, back then, he didn't have the Bible. He's actually writing one, right? So he didn't even know the existence of the New Testament. He's writing this letter not knowing this is going to make it into the canon of the Bible, right? So he doesn't have the completion of the Bible, the written revelation word of God. Number one, a big reason. And we all have a copy or two or three or four or five at your houses, right? We have access to the word of God, a complete one, canonized one. That's like... The first one, right? Second reason. Do you guys believe that God goes from glory to glory? Do you believe that that just doesn't apply to us, but like history and generations, God actually goes from glory to glory. And if you really study the church history, yes, there are problems in the modern church right now. Yes, there are churches corrupting and all these problems, but you got to understand most nations are rich like, like never before. Right now, like missionaries are reaching to most nations that the history of Christianity didn't even, couldn't even imagine. There are, there are underground churches in Iran, underground churches in North Korea. You gotta believe that, yeah, there are problems, but God is doing something so mighty and his church is more glorious than ever. We so often forget the fact and focus on the negative things that the church is doing. But you got to understand, God is using his church. And it's a glorious church that he's raising up. And as we are reaching that end 
oh my, we are going to go even crazier. And God's going to reach more nations, more people in our church right now. The church is more glorious than ever. And we are the saints of that church right now. Of course, we are better than Apostle Paul. He will say that himself. Of course, you guys better be better than me, greater than me. You have all these revelations and history. What are you talking about? You better be greater than me. That's what I'm going to say to my grandchildren or grand-grandchildren. You all better be better than me. If Jesus doesn't return by then, you know, you better be a better preacher than I was, you know. You better do more wishes work than I did. You know, you better claim those mountains up. What are you talking about? My ceiling is your floor, even basement. It's got to be that way. It goes from glory to glory. And I cannot talk, I cannot not talk about Apple computers here. <laughs> Alright, if you don't know, uh, Pastor Christian always talks about Apple computers. And I think I have to too, because I think there are just powerful revelations coming out of that company. <laughs> like the father, like the daughter. I can't help it, alright? I was getting revelations. Think about that, alright? I think I'm better than an iPhone. I think you guys are all better than an iPhone. Let me explain, all right? I still use iPhone 3, okay? Because I bought it right before iPhone 4 came out. And I'm still waiting for iPhone 5 to reach here. And uh, it's taking forever. I'm losing my patience. I'm about to move to Galaxy. But uh, I'm waiting. (laughs) Oh, you Galaxy users. And uh, this one day, randomly, Pastor Christian texted me and said, Don't get Galaxy 3. And I was like... It's weird, why? And he says, I got it through the revelation God told me. Or something like that. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I'm still waiting, faithfully. But think about mere product like iPhone, okay? It gets upgraded. Upgraded 3 to 4, 4 to 4S, 4S to 5. It upgrades. Glory to glory. It applies to that iPhone. Why not to me? Why not to the church? We are getting upgraded, going to higher places. We're getting faster strategies and different apps. I don't know. But we are going from glory to glory. And really think about it. There are really cool kingdom analogies in that, right? Whenever you plug your iPhone into your computer, you know what happens? It starts two things, charging and syncing. Think about that. Isn't that so cool? Whenever we connect with the Spirit of God, we start to sync with His Spirit. Right? And sinking does not stop until it's 100%. Yeah, right? Everything that's in the computer, everything that's in God's heart, it gets synced into my heart. Isn't that so powerful? And you cannot stop the sinking process. Have you tried it? Yo, it causes errors. Don't do that, right? So let it sink and then until it sinks until it's 100% identical. And think about charging. You cannot stop charging. It's gonna get charged up up to 100%. Whenever you connect to the Spirit of God, that's what happens to us. You never have to worry about getting those red bars and 20%, 10% warnings because you are always fully charged. You cannot stop the charging power. See? iPhone. (laughs) I'm sure Pastor Christian will be really happy to hear this message right now. Anyways, so where am I going with this? The... Yeah, I'm better than iPhone, right? So glory to glory, updating and all that, it's happening in the church as well. We're going from glory to glory, for sure. And um, one key thing that our, our church really talks about a lot is inheritance. 
and how anointing flows from the top down. That's one of our core values. And I'm going to talk about it briefly because think about the amount of testimonies that were accumulated at Paul's time. And think about how much more history and inheritance and testimonies of Christ accumulated for us. Can you measure that? It's uncomparable. Like it's, it's not even a comparison, right? And the inheritance that we get from those testimonies, we cannot take it lightly. Verse 13, Apostle Paul says this, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. He says, what I'm suffering for right now, hey, don't be discouraged because it's for you. It's for your glory. What is he talking about? He's talking about my testimony will be become yours so that you don't have to fight the same battle. And if you apply that, not just to PC and PE, not just to the the ones that are close to you, but apply it to the history of all the saints that lived before you. All the powerful men and women of God and all these bio, autobiographies you have access to, think about your grandparents and all the missionaries that claimed and possessed these nations. Think about the power of that inheritance that you have right now. We have more than we think we have. We're just tapping into that. Revelation twelve eleven says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and words of their testimonies. And then it says, Testimony of Jesus is like a spirit of prophecy. So many of us in the church, we listen to testimonies and we get encouraged. That's awesome. But I need you to remember, it's not spirit of encouragement. Because encouragement, when you get encouraged, it's over. But it's spirit of what? Prophecy. In the nature of prophecy, if you receive it in the spirit of prophecy, it shall be fulfilled in your own life. It's because you hear all these great stories and take it as encouragement, but you're not taking it as prophecy over yourself. When you do that, receive that in the spirit of prophecy, knowing that that must be done in my life, then it will be done. Why are you not tapping into that? Why are we letting all these amazing testimonies just pass by? That's so encouraging. Praise the Lord. Has nothing to do with my life. No, it does. It's our inheritance. We gotta claim that and possess that. It's we have truly rich inheritance. Um I recently had a kind of similar experience to that, like receiving something in the spirit of prophecy instead of just encouragement. And I'm tapping into the power of that more and more. But um, I remember a couple weeks ago, I'm the only one sweating in this room, right? Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I was in the office, and I had to really pray uh, for a certain circumstance that came up. And I was just praying. There's a little small hidden desk in our office. It's Pastor Christian's prayer and QT desk. And I, he wasn't in the office that day, so I kind of took it over. And then I was just praying and praying. And... um. I felt the victory in my spirit. So I opened my eyes and I see this book lying in front of me, right? It was like eye level. So I was like, oh. And the book, book was called The Anointing. It was written by Benny Hinn. And uh, I picked the book up and I was led to certain pages. And then the chapter was, the title was An Unusual Woman of God. So I was like, oh, curious. <laughs> and it was only like five pages. So I started reading it, right? I started reading it. And then it was just a story and a testimony about this amazing woman of God uh, named Catherine Coleman. 
Uh, she's a minor revivalist, and then she was known for healing ministry. So whenever she preached and ministered, thousands of people gathered, and people got healed of all kinds of diseases. And um, it was a story about her. And I talked about how she started her ministry early 20s, which was my story as well. And then, interesting, it talks about when she was 26, the ministry started to pick it up. And I'm 26, right? I was like, oh, God's speaking to me right now. And then what happens is, just to summarize it, she uh, gets into an affair. So she started working with this um, other minister, but he was already married and had kids. But then they, Caffeine and that, that dude fell in love and ended up causing divorce in the family. Uh, the man divorces and forsakes his children and marries Catherine, right? And then they kind of run away and they try to continue their ministry kind of believing that that's what God wanted for them because they were madly in love, right? And um, at the end of the story, she really had to choose after years. But her heart was, she loved him. She called him Mr. Isn't that so cute though? Mr. Like, and it, it talks about no one knows what I had to give up for Christ. No one understands except for Jesus himself. So at the end, she makes up her mind and lets go of the relationship and returns to ministry. And she was broken. The whole world was pointing finger at her. You can imagine. You caused divorce and destroyed a family, and now you what, try to minister and heal people. The whole world was judging her. But then what really stood out to me was the fact that she made the return and continued her ministry. You know, so many pastors, they talk about the power of grace and gospel, but when they fall, they disappear, and their ministry collapses. And didn't you talk about the restoration power of Christ? Didn't, aren't you the one that taught me about power of forgiveness and how God doesn't even remember when you repent? But Catherine Coleman, man, she knew. She knew the power of grace. She preached it. She lived it. Even in the middle of all these people criticizing her, like, you know, the re-chanting kind of thing. But in the midst of that, she continued her ministry and said, whenever people criticize, she said, but my God forgot about that. I repented and I'm a new person and my God doesn't remember that anymore. And that's what really made her unusual. It's easy to drop everything and hide. That's easy. Anyone can do that. You don't need the power of Christ to be able to be that way. But in the middle of all that acquisition, still, no, that grace that I preach about, it's upon my life. Uh, why would I remember what God doesn't remember about me? And she continued, her ministry blew up, healing, anointing, and everything started to flow. And that's just the summary of the chapter, the unusual woman of God. And my prayer was, God, I'm so challenged. I... I'm so challenged and I'm so encouraged. And then as I was going deeper in my prayer and I started to prophesy over myself, I'm going to be an unusual woman of God. I'm going to be even greater woman of God. I'm going to be even crazier, unusual, abnormal woman of God. That's what I want to be. And that's who I am. I started prophesying that over me. Stop taking testimonies of others. The inheritance that you have just as encouragement. And let it pass by. Possess that. Prophesy that over yourself. Receive it in the spirit of prophecy. And declare it must be done in my life as well.
Good story, right? That's my inheritance. And for all you, all of you too. And you know, where am I right now? <laughs> I didn't plan to share this story at all, but everyone was like, oh, so into it. It's so good. Um, you know, sometimes, yeah, history, studying it, reading up all these books is good. But according to this verse that I took literally, you could actually pull that out of your neighbor. You know, who's sitting next to you right now? Look around. And according to this verse, the person sitting next to you, no matter how you view them, it's greater than Apostle Paul. Look at them. Look at them. And think about, or at least have the potential of, becoming greater than Apostle Paul. Have you guys ever thought about that? You know what tells me too? It tells me that I have, I could possibly be greater than him. And actually I am. And my testimonies, my little awesome cool testimonies aren't to be just dead in my journal entries. They're dead and stuck there and you gotta release them to the world. What's the good of writing down all these testimonies? Oh God, it's so good. If you're gonna keep it in your journal for like 17 years until you start reading it to your children. What's the point of that? Prophesy over people. Don't just encourage people with your testimony. Prophesy over people with your testimonies. Revive your testimonies. That's what I'm trying to say. Give life to it and prophesy it over people. When I talk about my experience in Philly, how I came here and how I came as a non-believer and now I'm a pastor, when I talk about stuff like that, I don't just say it in an encouraging manner. I say, you or story will be crazier. And I just prophesy over them. You or home, you're going to find home and family here. It's going to be such a great journey. You know, don't just encourage people, prophesy over them. On the, f- oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. All right. Verses 10, 8 to 10. I'm going over time. All right. Verses 8 to 10. Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to read it for you again, but 8 to 10, this is key. Very, very key. It says this to me. Though I am a very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The grace was given for him for these reasons. I don't know if you picked it up, but then there are three categories of the work and then the audience of his work. Let me, let me just give it to you. The first one he talks about to preach to the Gentiles. And that's talking about his target people. It's talking about his target, right? Because Apostle Paul was what? An apostle for the Gentiles, right? So he had this target audience. And then the second thing he talks about in verse 9, to bring light to everyone. It's talking about what? The entire world around you. And then the third thing, through the church to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It's talking about heaven. And there are these three levels that through our destiny that we are to reach. Number one is what? Your target people. Number two is the world. Number three is the heaven. Let me unfold this. When you think about your vision, your calling, your destiny, whatever you want to call it, you must remember all these three purposes. Number one, know your target. 
So target, it kind of sounds like, what's the target? But you all have one. Jesus had a target. His target was what? Jews. In, in his, you know, little area. Apostle Paul had a target, what? Gentiles. And uh, if you think about New Philly, New Philly has a target audience as well. You're going to learn about it in our membership class. We aim for what? English speakers, um, English speakers, yeah, <laughs> and then other details as well. But we have our target audience, and every single church actually does, right? And if you think about, you know, think about, like, who you are trying to reach. You know, if you're trying to reach everyone, you're going to end up missing everyone. If every church tries to reach everyone, Indian, Filipino, everyone, everyone, like, every language, you're going to end up losing everybody, right? So you need to have your target audience. Where does your heart go to? Like, do you want to reach the youth? Some of you elderly people, some of you Korean Americans or Bobs that are having identity crisis, you know, who do you want to reach? Like third culture kids? Huh? Who? Like prostitutes on the streets? Some of you have big heart for what? Homeless people. Uh, certain ethnic groups, like Filipino groups, like what? Other people, right? Filipino, right, right, good. You know, Wangta victims or the rape victims? I don't know where your heart goes to, but you do have a target people. Like, for example, let me give you a really good example. Pastor John Michael right there. Pastor John Michael, who's his audience? Everyone answer. Oh, yeah, everyone knows. Orphans, North Koreans, right? You know, he has a clear target audience that he has in his life, you know? And some people, it's kind of unclear. But some of you, you might say, South Korea, youth in this nation, and some others might have different answers, but you do have target audience. And you gotta target them strategically. You can't try to reach everyone, right? That's what Jesus did as well. So you are in a search for that. And another example, Cassandra Robertson. Some of you know she's a Itaewon service, but some are leaders. What's your target audience? Human, people in human trafficking, people in sex industry, people like the pimps and prostitutes. We all know it, right? So that's like the target audience that you have. Number two, let the world know. Through your destiny, you walking in your calling and destiny, what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to let the whole world know about that. You know, you have a message that your life could carry. You know that? When you think about like Martin, Martin Luther King Jr., what do you think about? What's the life message that he carried? Abolition. Freedom. I have a dream. You know, he had the message. Maybe the younger kids might not know about the historical facts that he did. I don't know what he did, but I know, I know about the I have a dream speech. I know about the freedom. I know about the abolition movement. I know about the, 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 you know, he, people remember the message. That, that's what I'm trying to say. The things that you do in this life will be forgotten. Can I just say that quickly? After we die, it's gonna, we're gonna lose it. No one's gonna remember what Myung Choi did. You know, she preached in how many different countries. No one's gonna care about that. But if I carry a life message through my life, people are gonna remember that. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? What do you want to be remembered as? Like a message that you carry. When I think about Paul Park's life, like what's the one message that gets across? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Have you thought about that? We are so focused on the work, 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 performance, what we do. But more important than that, it's the message that your life carry. What does the world know you as? Like two examples, John Michael Becker, I'm going to reuse them. 
The message that he carries, H&D. Healing, deliverance, Father's heart, like, what's some other good stuff? Identities, yes. Identities. JM and identities are like identical, right? John Michael, identities, identities, John Michael, right? And then that's like the, his life message that he's carrying, right? Think about Cassandra. What's the life message that she carries? Justice, duh. You know, whole, the whole world knows about that, right? Cassandra's heart for justice, to set people free. Like that message. I think that's so cool. I want to have one like that. I want to have, like, whenever people think of me, Myung Choi, oh, what do you think about? Oh, something good. That's just, whatever, you know, something good, you know? But I want their, oh, my princess. That's somewhat embarrassing, but it's good. Like a favor that princess carries. Let's just say, leave it at that. But, you know, don't you want to have a message in your life? Instead of just doing the works, it will be forgotten. Let the world know. The impact, the influence that you're having. And, and that's really why we are doing what we are doing. Um, there is a teaching about seven mountains. How many of you have never heard about the seven mountains teaching? Or how many of you know about it? Seven mountains and what they are. Half the room. Okay, there's a, like a teaching about, it's like a categories of the areas and industries that are like a major in this world. It's really, I really butchered the definition, but uh, the seven mountains are business mountain. Business mountain, people? Business mountain. Woo, there's no excitement. All right, okay. Business mountain. Family mountain. Mm-hmm. Religion mountain, yes. Arts and entertainment mountain. All right. Media mountain. Oh, yeah. Government mountain. Uh-huh. Education mountain. Oh, all the teachers. All right. Those, there are the seven different mountains that we are all trying to climb up, right? And can I just tell you this? I'm on a religious mountain, but I'm happy about it. It sounds really wrong. Religion mountain, let's say. Religion mountain, it's easy to forget why we are climbing up this mountain. Like you're climbing and climbing and you're going up the mobility, social mobility of the saints. You know, we heard the message too. We're going up there. Influence. Let's make impact. Let's make changes. We're going up there. But along the way, you forget why you are doing that. Why am I trying to get up there? Have you guys thought about that? What am I going to, what am I going to do up there, right? What are you going to do? Are you going to like shout? Think about it. I think why I'm trying to get up there is to shout out Jesus' name. Because then it will be reached to more people. Like no one shouts, Yahoo! You know, Korean people shout Yahoo! on top of the mountain. I don't know what Americans do. What do you shout out? Yahoo! Yahoo? <laughs> Lame. <laughs> anyways, anyways, whatever you shout out, you know, Korean people say Yahoo! You know, we, nobody does it at the bottom of the mountain. This is dumb. No, no one can hear you. All right? No one does that. You get up there just to shout out that loud, big old Yahoo! So that the whole world can hear you. And there's greater echo that comes back and returns, right? And I think that's exactly what we are doing. We're getting up there not for your sake, not to make your name great, and not to gain fame. You get up there to shout out, Jesus brought me to this place. Let the world know why you are climbing up there. And when you get there, don't forget. Along the way, don't forget. Why am I climbing up? I don't know. Let's just go. You know, that should not be our attitude. We are getting there to shout out his name and let the world know 
That's the life message that I carry for the sake of the gospel. That's why we are getting up there. And we are going to hear the echoes, by the way. And the whole world we hear about that. And I think the purpose of climbing, God's been speaking a lot to me about it. Why are you getting up there? Why are you trying to get up there? And one thing and only thing that distinguishes us from the entire world is that purpose. Why we are getting up. And when you lose that, and when you lose focus and just end up joining the whole, you know, you just end up becoming like a million people that are trying to do the same thing. I'm going to get up there to be famous. I'm going to get up there to make more money. I'm going to get up there for my namesake. You know, end up becoming one of the world, you know. That's not what we're called to do. We're getting up there, remembering one purpose. Why, when you lose that why, you just become one of them. Remember the purpose of why you are getting there. Third thing, I want really this message to be crossed to your heart. It's let the heaven know. In this verse, verse 10, rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, it refers to angelic beings. It refers to angels, the whole entire host of heaven. You know, there are in heaven thousands and thousands and thousands of angels singing and looking at God's face and worshiping. That's what this is talking about. It's actually talking about angelic hosts in the heavenlies. And it's saying through you, they're going to find out what's going on here. You know, do you want the angels to find out about your destiny and join in? I really want them to. I don't want to do this alone or just with the human power. I want the heaven to find out about what Nephilim is doing, about what my life is doing, and I want them to join in. This verse is really, really powerful verse, and it brings in a new aspect into it. It's this. It says clearly, through the church. Everyone say, through the church. It's not through an individual that you are going to bring the heaven down. It's through the church that the heavenlies are going to find out about what we are doing on this earth. And it says, manifold wisdom of God. Manifold. It means that various forms, many different kinds, God's wisdom has many different faucets and aspects. Facets? Facets and aspects? And like an intricately cut diamond. That's what ESB study Bible says. All the, all the merry women in the house, show, show me your diamond. Come on. Bling, bling. Show me your diamonds. Don't be shy. None of them are shining to me. Show me your diamonds, all right? Some of the women here, we, we wear diamonds because diamonds are shiny and they're beautiful, right? And if you, when you, when you, when you, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. They say they never get sick of them, right? Good for you. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh, man, mine's on the way too. <laughs> and, um, I did some research on the diamonds, you know, uh, and one thing about diamond is that when the diamond, you know, the round diamonds are more popular than uh, princess cut diamonds. It's called princess cut, the square ones. I'm sorry if you have princess cut diamond ring. It's all good. You know, they're, they're good too. But uh, the reason why the round ones are more popular over the princess cut, the square ones is it has more facets. It has more aspects. It has more cuts that the light reflects to many other different directions. So it's way more shinier. 
A good thing to remember all the girls, single girls remember that, right? <laughs> On the brothers too. <laughs> but I love Princess Cut too. I, I actually prefer Princess Cut, but yeah, just, that's just side note. You know, but if you think about how, <laughs> if you think about how, oh, <laughs> oh my, okay. I'm sorry, I'm just sweating. Cut that, cut that AC on right now. <laughs> If you think about it, it's more shinier, and that's the power of manifold. That's the power of manifold diamond, right? So when it has more aspects, the light reflects in different ways and it creates more shine. It's shining brighter. That's the picture of what? The church. That's what we are supposed to look like. Different aspect. We're not supposed to look all the same. Just the four dimensions, like a square, not like that. But many different delicate cuts. And that's how we are supposed to shine together. And this church, not an individual. A church is like a diamond. Delicately made and good quality. Clarity and cut and I forget the other C. But it's like good quality diamond when we are all shining in our own aspects and destinies. Put together, we are like a diamond that's shining. And um, I really had a powerful revelation about the body of Christ this week. And I just want to share this. Uh, last week, I had a condition where I woke up like three, four days. I just woke up out of my bed. You know, you roll off the bed. And I collapsed, like face planted on the flower, floor. And I couldn't get up for like good two minutes because the world was spinning. Like literally spinning and spinning to a point I couldn't. Like, 정신 차려, I couldn't wake up. And I was like, what is going on? And I went into shower, and then I was like, oh, drunk, you know? Not that I know what it means to be drunk, but I was all like, like this. And I was like, oh, something is off. The world was spinning and spinning, literally, for the, for the, like, two days. And I was like, okay, there is something wrong, either in my brain or in, in my ears, right? I had the knowledge that dizziness usually comes from your ears. So I went to the doctor, And I found out that there are little small pouches in your ears, both ears. And then they are full of these little, little balls, like, like little stones. And then those stones could possibly leak out to the pipes that are just supposed to be filled with water. Those tiny little pipes. And then the, the stones could roll out and mess up your balance. Have you guys ever heard about that? That was the condition that I had, right? So I woke up one morning out of, out of nowhere. I cannot balance and I'm walking like a drunk man, you know? And I was like, oh, doctor, how do I, you know, how to fix this, you know? And then they kind of roll me on the ground, actually, to roll it back to the, back into the pouch. That's exactly what they did. No, no shots, no fancy treatment. <laughs> they rolled me gently on the ground. And then they told me what to do, like tilt your head. And like, they were watching my eye movement and stuff, and I never heard of it before, but it's called 이석증 in Korean. I don't know in English, but 이석증, and then they rolled it back into those pouches, and I was fine. Like, right after the treatment, I was like, whoa, everything's back to normal, right? I never even knew that I had stones in my ears, number one. I never knew the existence of those pipes. And when, you know, when God talks about the body of Christ is like a physical body, Jesus being the head, like, think about how delicate our body is. And one of you might think that I'm as small as those stones in your ear, you know, in the body of Christ. But when you get misplaced, oh my gosh, the whole body cannot control. The whole body looks like a drunk man. You know, you might think that you're such a tiny little piece of the body. But when you are misplaced, uh-oh, it's danger. 
the whole body gets all shaken up. So I want you to remember. And that was such big revelation as I was lying in the hospital being rolled around. I was like, wow, every single little part of the body matters. So we can never look down on someone thinking, oh, you're not, you're not that significant. No, every single person really is. And I need you. And everyone needs each other. That's what the church is supposed to look like. A shining diamond. I mean, this is one last thing. So those three, three things, I want us to really remember it. Number one, target audience. Who's your target audience? Think about that. Where does your heart go out to? You know, Who do you want to reach out to? What do you feel that you are called to reach out to? Your students? Your coworkers? I don't know. Celebrities? Think about it. Number two, what was it? Let the world know. Don't lose focus on the way of climbing. Let the world know on the way and when you get there that you are there to shout out Jesus' name. Don't lose that kingdom focus. Don't lose that. And the third thing, let what? The heaven know. When the body gets together, when we shine like diamond, heaven recognizes that. Oh, there's something shiny down there. Let me look at it. And oh, it's called New Philadelphia Church. And what are they doing? Praying for this and that? Oh, let us join in. That's exactly what this passage is talking about. Rulers and authorities. And can I remind you that they have power? They're called rulers and authorities in the heavenlies. And when they join in, that's going to become powerful. And we need that. But for that to happen, we got to shine as the body, as a house. I do not want you Philly to be some fake jewel that does not shine and doing their own thing. Or everyone looks exactly the same and everyone's like cookie cutter cut, like a robotic people that it's just not shiny. I want every single person to be placed at the right places and create that amazing shine. And for heaven to recognize, whoa, there's something happening. Let us go down there and join in. I want New Philly to be like that. One last thing, verses 11 and 12. It says this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. If you look at all the references, it's talking about this destiny is according to eternal purpose. It's kind of the same thing. This eternal purpose will be accessed through what? Faith in him. Faith moves heavenies. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And in my life, I've witnessed many different aspects of favor of God, people just call it, grace of God, power of God. But just overall, I'm going to just call it favor. And when I look back on those moments and the history of Nephili as well, those favor moments were always brought down by having faith in him. Like when you believe before you see, that's what moves heaven. Like we could pray all we want. Without believing, there's no power. Prayer movement of gathering just people for the sake of gathering and just say whatever things that we want to say, it's going to have no power. It's the faith that moves mountains. And have you thought about your mountain that you're trying to climb up? The word says it's the faith that's going to move your mountain. Do you see the correlation? 
Have you ever thought about that? Your education mountain will be moved by your faith. Your entertainment mountain will be moved by what? Nothing but faith. You got to believe in your destiny. You got to believe that God is for you. You got to believe in what God is doing. And that's the faith that's going to release favor, grace, and power to fulfill your destiny. I want us to close our eyes. Worship team, get ready. We're going to close with the song. My prayer is that every single person that heard this message will take it to your heart and really start to think about what you're called to do. And whether you are certain about it or you have no idea about it, or whether you are confused about it, or whatever stage you are in on the journey, my prayer is that God's going to make the one thing clear that you do have a mighty destiny. That through you, the target people that we talked about will be reached. And through you, the whole world will know about the goodness of the Lord. And through you and us coming together, the heaven will find out about the great things that's happening here and join in. And isn't that just our prayer? Let your kingdom come. Let your heaven come, God. At this moment, I want us to just give thanks to the Lord and just thank Him for your destiny, for what you're called to do, whether you know it or not, whether you feel like you're involved in it already or not, wherever you are at in that journey, I want you to give thanks to Him for the great purpose that He has placed upon you. That destiny, the calling, that so many pastors and church leaders have spoken over you. I want you to take it to your heart that I do have that. And all these things that I just mentioned will be done through you. You know, sometimes the hardest thing is to believe in yourself. That's the hardest thing. Sometimes you could just fool the world, but you cannot fool yourself. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to convince yourself. But I believe God just wants to tell you that very sentence that you heard over and over again. But I want you to speak that over yourself. I want you to prophesy over yourself. Pray over yourself and say, You have mighty destiny. You have a mighty calling. 
And these great things are going to be done through you. Speak to yourself as if you're praying for someone else. I want you to just prophesy that. Prophesy that. Let the hope arise. Let hope arise. All across the room, just prophesy that over yourself.